Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the National Secular Society podcast. I'm Emma Park and this week I'll be talking to Alistair Lichten, Head of Education at the NSS. One of the NSS's goals is to ensure that all children have access to an inclusive education free from religious bias. With this in mind, Alistair and I will be discussing the Society's current campaign against the law on collective worship in schools, as well as its new resource for teachers, Exploring Secularism. Alistair will also be giving an update on his activities in the education sector. As a teenager, I went to a rather old-fashioned Anglican school. Every morning in assembly, we would sing hymns, say prayers, and listen to sermons. Week after week, we sang about the bliss to which only the children of Zion would have access, or exhorted each other to smite the troops of Midian. After one of these invigorating sessions, I remember a senior teacher, long since retired, coming onto the stage and repeating with gusto the part about non-Christians being damned for eternity. Even back then, in the heart of rural England, there were a number of students in the audience who were Jewish, Muslim, or from a non-religious culture like China, quite apart from inveterate unbelievers like myself. Nonetheless, our daily Christian worship, although in theory it might have been optional, was in practice compulsory. And even though it gave heathens like me something to rebel against, it was hardly conducive to a tolerant atmosphere. But that was two decades ago. Since then, we in Britain have become, on average, less religious as a nation and more diverse in our religious affiliations, or lack of them. Given this variety of beliefs in the country today, Surely no one still expects schoolchildren to have to engage collectively in Christian worship or any other kind of worship on a daily basis. It turns out that there are two answers to this question, the legal position and the actual practice in schools. Neither is particularly satisfactory from a secularist point of view, and that's why abolishing collective worship is still on the National Secular Society's campaign list. I am now joined by Alistair Lichton to find out more. Alistair, hello. Hi, Emma. First, can you explain what the law requires in terms of collective worship in schools? Well, the law in England and Wales mandates that all school children take part in a daily act of broadly Christian collective worship. Uh, Like so much else, this dates back to the seminal 1944 Education Act, although the current law is found in the 1998 School Standards and Frameworks Act. Uh, Northern Ireland has its own requirements and in Scotland there is religious observance which in places is being replaced with time for reflection. Uh, the term collective worship is a bit of a problem as it doesn't really sum up what, it, what it's all about. I mean, if you had a collective within a school who wanted to come together for worship, uh, for voluntary worship, maybe um, a lunchtime or after school club, that would be a very different issue. The issue here is that it's mandated worship mandated by the state to be directed and you know, often coerced by school authorities, which is why our campaign is to end compulsory worship in schools. How does the position in England and Wales compare with the law in other countries? Well, uh, very differently. Uh, the UK, as far as we know, is the only democratic country which legally imposes a daily act of worship in state schools. And this would be completely alien in almost any other modern liberal democracy. We have such a variety of schools in this country, state schools, independent schools, faith schools. 
how is the legal requirement for collective worship enforced in these different schools in practice? How much room is there for schools to interpret the law in their own way? In practice, most schools either ignore the requirement or simply reinterpret it in such a way uh, that they hold perfectly inclusive, topical, ethical assemblies, which they then just call collective worship. And they might have a moment of silence at the end or invite people to pray or reflect if they want. Uh, but they basically carry out the assembly with no directed, ele no element of directed worship. The requirement is, in fact, so unpopular, Ofsted have long since abandoned any sort of enforcement or inspection of it, and the DfE uh, tacitly support this position. Although the situation is very different in faith schools, for example, it's well over 90% of church and primary schools, according to a recent survey, have daily Christian uh, collective worship. And also in non-faith or community ethos schools, where you have a particularly religious head teacher or group within the school who wants to, who's keen to impose this and keen to take a very uh, literal uh, interpretation of the requirement. And equally, some schools manage to, the right to withdraw reasonably well, uh, but this is overwhelmingly seen as unsatisfactory because parents really don't want their uh, children marked out by being withdrawn and schools can make this difficult as well. It sounds like there is a lot of room for manoeuvre and the situation very much depends on the school. So what are the National Secular Society's biggest objections to the collective worship requirement? It's quite simple, really. We don't believe the state should be mandating directed worship. It's a violation of pupils' freedom of belief and without any educational basis or justification. This goes so clearly and obviously against principles of equality that it actually requires its own special exemption from the Equality Act. Worship should only ever be voluntary and it should never be imposed, coerced or you know, mandated. If you're part of a religious community or fan of worship personally, that's fine. But you may not appreciate the message of exclusivity this sends. And you may not just appreciate just how alien this practice is to many families and the way in which many parents want to raise their children. As long as we have this legal requirement, it provides a platform for those that do want to impose their religion and worship in schools, uh, whether that's uh, school authorities or external evangelical groups. So uh, is um, the NSS campaigning for a change in the law? Changing the law, uh, the, I must say now, the various law laws across the UK is a must. Uh, but the government can do better to manage the situation with improved guidance. It's been a long time since this guidance was updated. Um, last month, we wrote to the new Education Secretary, Gavin Williams, uh, urging him to consider an update to the guidance, and we hope that will happen in the next parliament. Uh, the guidance needs to make clear what schools need to do to provide a meaningful alternative um, to worship. And that needs to be a meaningful, a genuine meaningful alternative that doesn't stigmatise or cause any detriment to withdrawn pupils. The guidance needs to clarify exactly what fulfilling the collective requirement, um, the collective worship requirement means. Uh, this could regularise regularize the situation where schools merely hold an assembly in which there is an opportunity for voluntary worship, but without them directing it or imposing it. And also, the guidance should make clear what consultation, if any, school authorities need to take, particularly those with legally protected community, ethos, uh, community school ethoses, uh, to ensure that their policy is uh, suitable for their community. 
Is there a particular reason why the NSS should be concerned with this issue right now? Um, the autumn term tends to see a big uptick in our casework related to imposed worship in schools. The simple reason is that many parents are only just now discovering that this is a requirement. Um, you also tend to get a lot of stuff around Christmas. Um, unfortunately, some schools they try and make cri- uh, Christmas assemblies uh, particularly religious, or you know, other schools even go so far as trying to exclude uh, pupils from sort of Christmas-related activities if they're withdrawn from collective worship. Um, big issue at the moment in England is uh, the case of the Harris family. The Harris family? Uh, yeah, this uh, you may have seen on our website. This has uh, since been taken up by the and supported by the Humanist Association. So that's put the issue in the news. Um, a little background on that. Um, we supported the Harris family last year. The, they attend a community ethos academy, so uh, not a faith school, but uh, part of a Christian multi academy trust, which they feel is acting um, a bit like a faith school. And that the way in which uh, the Christian worship is managed makes withdrawal very difficult, lack of any uh, meaningful alternative. Um, so that's a human rights case that's going through at the moment. We'll follow it closely. And the, we're, we expect that this is going to push the DfE into making some sort of new guidance, which could be good or bad for us. But we'll keep up the pressure and need to wait and see. Elsewhere in the UK... Uh, in Wales, it's moving up the agenda uh, as the big curriculum reform issues uh, start to move on. This could be one of the next issues to look at. Uh, there are also campaigns in Scotland where there has already been some reform and in Northern Ireland. So really across the UK. Are you getting any other specific examples of parents or their children um, talking to you about difficulties they've encountered? Yeah, I mean, like if we just look at the stats, our, collect, our, our page on compulsory worship and the information there is one of the most visited. Um, you know, there's a wide range of practice in terms of how exclusive or how aggressively uh, the worship element is pushed. Um, we've got various testimonials on the website, and it's a big part of our casework that's you know, people approaching us for help. Although very few parents then go on to withdraw their children because of dif- the difficulties that can come with that. Uh, we've had... Uh, community schools with prayers four times a day, uh, pupils told off for not taking part, parents accused of intolerance or just you know, told they're not welcome at the school because they don't want their children being directed to pray to a religion that they don't follow. And all of this is not getting into any of the, you know, the more extreme or, ed- or outlying examples where you have external evangelical groups or, or local, um, local uh, religious leaders coming in to lead worship. Um, now, for example, we've had parents, uh, pupils really upset by one assembly where paper cups were apparently set on fire, one wet and one dry. And this was to symbolize and to teach that Christian baptism is necessary to avoid hell. You know, a completely inappropriate l- lesson to be uh, teaching in a school. What about British society as a whole? Is there widespread support for keeping the collective worship requirement on the statute book? Absolutely not. Um, just this week, actually, um, we've seen um, the church, the, just this week they're recording, the church really released a new poll, uh, which they're spinning to claim supports collective worship. Uh, but obviously, you know, they understand that the collective worship requirement is unpopular, so they didn't appear to ask about it in the poll and then just used the press release to suggest it, uh, that the collective worship was possible. Last year, our own polling in conjunction with Census Wide found that just 26% felt of the public felt that school assemblies uh, need to feature worship. 
other polling is is sporadic on this. Um, there was a, a lot. It was in the news a lot in 2011 when there was a Comrades survey for the BBC, and that found that around 70% of parents were opposed to enforcing the requirement. How do you see um, public perception of the collective worship requirement developing in the future? Well, British society looks set to just keep getting more religiously, like, religiously diverse and less religious. Um, the idea of needing the state to mandate particular and impose particular religious activities just seems more and more old-fashioned. A legal requirement from the 1940s uh, seems completely incongruous today. And there's not. And do we really think there's anything to suggest that this requirement is going to become more popular or more suitable for uh, for schools? Um, I mean, of course, many schools will just continue to muddle on, muddle through as they are at the moment. But the pressure for reform is just going to keep going up and up. You've told us about the reasons then for opposing collective worship. What is the NSS actively doing at the moment to campaign against it? We're in regular contact with the DfE and devolved administrations on this issue. We're continuing to build up the evidence bank and to raise public awareness so we're ready to respond uh, to consultations and keep the pressure up. And the main thing we do is we provide a lot of casework support to parents, pupils and even schools affected by the requirement. And if we as concerned members of the public agree with you, what can we do to support the NSS's campaign? Uh, we'll link to the campaign page in the show notes. So it'd be really helpful if you could visit there and uh, use our template let letter to write to your MP or MSP or AM. Uh, you can sign the national petition, uh, which will uh, be forwarded to devolved administrations as well. Um, you can really give the campaign a boost by sharing it on social media and letting us know about your experiences. So if you're a parent, pupil or teacher affected by the requirement, we'd love to hear from you. So just as a final question, Alistair, should schools still have any form of collective assemblies on a daily basis? And if so, what should they involve? School assemblies are very popular among the parents and the general public. I have to say, they're not always teachers' uh, favourite thing, but certainly regular. I don't know about daily, but regular assemblies are an important, valuable opportunity to bring the school community together. Now, if you stopped organising them around exclusive religion, surely that element would, of the school community element could be strengthened. Uh, it's a very disingenuous argument that's put forward in defence of the collective worship requirement is the claim uh, that without it, school assemblies would just disappear. Um, yes, you know, school assemblies are being squeezed out for lots of reasons. But, you know, every single campaign against the collective worship requirement or the similar requirements across the UK, every single campaign says replace this requirement with a requirement for a regular, inclusive, topical, ethical school community assemblies. Um, and that it should be up to schools on how to best manage this. Yeah, I agree. And, and speaking as a former teacher myself, it's definitely very helpful to have a collective assembly just to give the school a sense of a group ethos. But certainly there's no reason why religion should be involved in that. Alistair, in your role as head of education at the NSS, could you tell us about your activities at the moment? Are there any campaigns or other achievements that you would like to highlight? Uh, education is always the biggest area of our work. So I'm always busy, uh, well supported by the rest of the campaigns team, uh, by our secular education forum and our fantastic allies and members. 
Um, at the moment, the No More Faith Schools campaign, which I coordinate, has been a big focus. I think we'll probably do a dedicated episode on that at some point. Uh, last month, we published analysis of new figures uh, showing that majority of teachers in England supported an end to New Faith Schools. Uh, this month, there's been an update on our campaign against a new proposal for a voluntary aided faith school in uh, Peterborough. And, uh, I've been talking about the, the whole history of these new um, voluntary aided faith school proposals, which we've been leading the campaign against. Uh, and I've been out and I've been out and about talking about the campaign. So I did, uh, I did my No More Faith Schools talk at Leicester Secular Society and a Hackney branch of the Labour Party uh, meeting. Uh, I'm doing it again next month at North London Humanists and I'll be representing the campaign at the Liberal Democrats conference in Bournemouth. Uh, all these places, there's, there's been a great response and I've had great questions. Uh, so if you want me to come and talk to your group, uh, trade union meeting, uh, local atheist, secularist, humanist, interfaith, uh, political group, uh, I'm more than, more than happy to come along, so just get in touch. Last Saturday, you were in Manchester for the NSS's annual Bradlaugh Lecture. Could you tell us a bit more about the history of this lecture? Um, well, yeah, we had, I had a, had, a, had a great time on Saturday. I thought this was a, a really great event this year. Uh, the Bradlaugh Lecture is held annually at the Manchester Art Gallery. It's in September, um, normally the first weekend, which coincides uh, with the NSS's anniversary. So it was launched on 151st anniversary. Uh, Manchester Art Gallery features uh, a magnificent portrait of our founder, Charles Bradlaugh. Um, he was, it's the portrait of him standing at the bar of the House of Commons. He was forbidden from taking up his seat uh, because he was an atheist. So it's a powerful image of him continuing, you know, it, you know locked out of the House of Commons, but still shout, uh, uh, there speaking for his constituents and speaking for what he believed was right. And who gave the lecture this year and what was he or she speaking about? Uh, this year's speaker was Andrew Moffat, who I interviewed in episode 12, 12 of the podcast. Uh, and as also we, as I discussed in a previous episode, I believe episode 11, um, there's been a massive campaign over the last year uh, by reactionary religious groups against inclusive RSE. RSE is uh, Relationships and Sex Education in Schools. Andrew is uh, an award-winning um, deputy head teacher who has created a you know, really fantastic inclusive education program called No Outsiders, um, which has been the subject of you know, this vicious anti-LGBT campaign uh, by by certain religious groups. Although you know it's not it's called No Outsiders as he as he as he talks about in his speech, it's not just about LGBT issues. You know, it's about um, inclusivity, uh, people of all faiths and none, different uh, social backgrounds, different, different abilities, different interest, different interests, etc. It's just a, it's a really lovely, you know, exactly the sort of inclusive education that schools should be doing. Uh, but unfortunately, it's been the subject of uh, protests and conspiracy theories uh, claiming that it's some sort of you know, anti anti religious LGBT indoctrination program. So. Andrew, in a in a really positive uh, and inspiring way, was able just to tell the audience in a sellout crowd what it what it was all really about, and uh, you know, really make the case for it there. In the coming week, NSS members will receive their autumn bulletin. Can you give us a preview? Uh, yeah, uh, members get free issues of our bulletin magazine a year, um, and the autumn one I think is landing in the next week or so when this podcast is released. 
Um, the lead story is about our Exploring Secularism project, uh, which is, uh, for, it provides free education resources for schools to help teachers and pupils explore secularism in a, what we hope is a balanced, informed and very relevant way. Uh, as always in our bulletin, there's updates on all our campaigning activities. And also we're announcing uh, free, free, quite exciting events coming up at Conway Hall. Um, are based in central London. On the 30th of November, of November, the National Secular Society's historian and one of our council members, uh, Bob Forder, will be talking about Richard Carlyle and his pivotal role in 19th century secularism and liberalism. Uh, in February, the chair of our Secular Education Forum, Dr. Keith Sharp, will be giving a talk on the 1944 Education Act and its legacy, which obviously we've already discussed today. And in May, and I'm very much looking forward to this, there will be a CPD day uh, for teachers. It's called Exploring Secularism for Educators. It's a free event and will be very useful for RE teachers, uh, SACRE members and any other educators with an interest in secularism or in religion and society. So all those details will be in the show notes and in the announcement the bulletin. And those will be in Conway Hall in Red Lion Square, just near the British Museum. You mentioned this um, exploring secularism resource for schools. I understand it's something you've been working on for quite a long time. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, uh, the Exploring Secularism Project is one of those that I'm, I'm most excited about. This has been something that we've been approached for, you know, for over, over the years. Uh, lots of times, RE teachers, uh, politics teachers, other teachers, interested uh, citizenship teachers, uh, asking us, you know, uh, they have questions about secularism, are there resources on it? A lot of religious studies A-levels cover aspects of, of secularism. It, it, it comes up all sorts of places, but there's not really... There's a, there's a real dearth of actual good resources on you know, what is secularism and exploring secularist questions. It tends to just get uh, lumped in uh, as anti-religious or as, as non-religious. So we've launched a we've launched a big range of new all free resources. They're all um, they're all focused around open questions and explore it and exploring the issues. Uh, you know, we're we're advocating that pupils ask these questions. We're not advocating that they come to um, to certain conclusions. Uh, but you know, it, it allows teachers pupils to explore. What is secularism? What are some of the main secularist issues to today? Uh, there's worksheets, presentations, all sorts of things. And if if you if you're a teacher, get in touch. We can send you copies of resources. If you're a parent, you know, get in touch. You know, please uh, send this to your school. Uh, let them know it's there. In which lessons would you envisage that this resource might be useful? We designed the resources to be uh, very flexible. So, for example, one uh, one of the resources allows people to explore different models of secularism around the world, and that could be you could that you could use it in an RE lesson if you know exploring what is secularism, maybe looking at different examples. But equally, you if you're doing comparative politics lesson, you could use that resource. If you were studying, uh, if you're doing French and you were doing French uh, French culture, you could study the topic of laicite. If you're doing history, there's history focused resources if you're doing geography or politics looking at uh, different political systems we have resources on how uh, we have resources on how art and literature have challenged or reinforced religious privilege or discrimination uh, tolerance or discrimination so you know you could you could talk about blasphemy in an english lesson or an art lesson you know these are relevant issues you could talk about in it lessons when we're considering uh, issues around censorship on the internet so although 
the majority of interest and I think the majority of use of this is focused on religion and belief um, lessons. It's quite and citizenship, citizenship lessons. It's a it's a wide ranging and very flexible set of resources. Alistair Lichton, thank you very much. Thanks so much. That was episode 14 of the National Secular Society podcast hosted by Emma Park. If you would like to help us challenge religious privilege and support freedom of and from religion in Britain today, you can become a member or supporter of the society from just £1 a month. Full details are on our website at secularism.org.uk forward slash podcast. If you liked this podcast, you can find further episodes on the website, along with more detailed information about the topics discussed. Hope you can join us next time and thanks for listening.